welcome back into another edition of the Devoted Steelers Podcast. I am the D, as in Dimitri George, joined alongside my co-host. As always, he is the V, Vince Paparella. Vince, we're finally talking about a Steelers win as the Steelers defeated the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night, 27-3 to uh, at home. Much-needed win. Keeps them alive. They're a game out of first place now with the bank with the Brown. I'm sorry, the Ravens coming into town on Sunday. Who knows, Vince? Let's not look ahead too far. But just saying, if the Steelers win on Sunday and the Browns go out to San Francisco on Monday night and lose, the Steelers would find themselves in a three-way tie. Uh, so, what a crazy turn of events it's been. Um, obviously, Steelers don't want to be in the position that they are, but the reality is that they are one and three, but only a game out of first place. So, it's still very much alive. Uh, I know it might be hard to believe for some, but that's just the truth. But obviously a lot to get to um, with our thoughts on the game last night, as well as some of Mike Tomlin's. I mean, we're, we're turning the page, Vince. It's Ravens week already. It's Ravens. Uh, yeah, uh, we're turning the page. Um, but uh, we definitely want to go ahead and give our thoughts on the game last night. I, I want to go ahead and start today. I, I, for me, um, there's a lot of stuff that I actually want to get into. But for me, I want to start with the defense. I mean, had they not – had the Steelers offense not turn the ball over in the red area, Steelers pitch a shutout. Uh, absolutely, I agree. And, you know, you, you want to talk about the opponent, who they're playing and all that. The reality is, and I agree with Mike Tomlin, he said after the game, I think Dejan Kavaka, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. I think I'd asked Mike something about the pass rush, and Mike Tomlin kind of said it's been there all year. Uh, but tonight you were able to see them get home and, and – that's just been the theme of the Steelers the last few years. I mean, they've just been able to get after the quarterback, which is great. Um, it just never really produced the turnovers, which you would think with getting all the pressure that they've got on the quarterbacks over the last few years, you would think they'd be one of the higher, you know, higher ranked turnover teams, but they haven't been, but that seems like it's starting to change the guards. They were able to get two. probably should have, well, could have had maybe a couple more. Joe Hayden dropped an easy one. Uh, Mike Hilton had one in his hands as well. Um, I think largely I was very, they look like a team with a. They look like a defense. A lot of a lot of first round talent on there. Yeah. Um, and again, we talked about it last night before we got into our, you know in our preview show. Didn't want to see any communication bus. Didn't see that. Um, we didn't want to see people with tight ends running uh, running free. Didn't see that. I thought Tyler Eifert gave Mark Barron some troubles um, early on, um, but really wasn't a factor at all. Um, but again. And I thought, and I'll, I'll be looking forward to watching the film and also checking out Alex Kazor from Steelers Depot and those guys uh, kind of giving their breakdowns of some of the stuff on defense. Because I thought, uh, and they do a great job, especially Alex talking about how the Steelers defend when teams go empty on them. You know, the Steelers are putting corners on running backs and having linebackers. That's when they get those misses with the linebackers on Keenan Allen. And I thought last night they defended empty as best as you could do in terms of your personnel. I thought I saw corners on the receivers, backs, uh, backs were covered by linebackers, tight ends are covered by safety slash or hybrid Mark Barron's type. Um, that's that's his, for what the personnel the Steelers had. That's what they need to do, and I was glad to see that. So that, maybe that's an adjustment that we're seeing with them go uh, defending empty. But again, uh, obviously we can talk about the pass rush all night. I just wanted to talk about the fact that the Steelers were in the right positions. Uh, it seems like they're all on the same page. And flying to the ball, very physical. I thought Mike Hilton, he's the smallest guy out there. I tweeted this, but he's arguably, and it might, might not even be an argument. He might be the most physical player on that defense. 
and he's the smallest guy out there. I thought yeah, he showed. Yeah, he showed. Um, again, you know, he reminded everybody how great of a slot defender he is. Obviously, he he doesn't he he lacks some height um, and size in the passing game and going up bigger slot. You know, these slot receivers are not the Wes Welkers anymore. They're the Juju's kind of those bigger guys. So he can struggle sometimes with those types of receivers. But um, he's he's very competitive. He's very physical um and he's gonna give it uh, he's gonna obviously get his you know put his head uh in, in the pile uh his hand in the pile and you know try to do whatever he can and he shows up week in and week out for the Steelers whether you like him or you don't I don't understand how you couldn't uh but he's just he's one of my favorite Steelers always around the ball always making plays and he was one of the guys that I really um thought stepped not stepped up but well he did but you know one of the guys that really stood out to me last night yeah, you know, just speaking, staying on the defensive here. Um, I think on the first, uh, it was it was the first series of the Cincinnati had the ball. They blitzed Mike Hilton, and immediately, like, you know, they had to see that, you know, via the San Francisco game and the Seattle game, and Andy Dalton hits Tyler Boyd just like a thirteen yard completion, and I'm screaming at my television, like this, mm-hmm. you know, this can't happen again. Like, like, you know, it's the definition of insanity is you know repeating the same thing expecting a different result. And then mm-hmm. they blitzed him probably half the amount of time they did in the previous two games. And he was there for a couple pass breakups. And like, huh, kind of funny. A nickel corner blitzing, you know, breaking up a pass. Who'd have thought about it? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to echo off what you said, the defense, you know, really applied the pressure and really got home last night. Bud Dupree had a sack. He timed the snap perfectly. And he got around the uh, uh, in a hurry and caused the fumble. Um, you know, you also commented on some communication you know, positive thing. It's been two weeks with Minka as the starter. And uh, there have been no communication breakdowns. All right. If this continues to trend, then I will like to reiterate again how much of a valuable I think that first round pick is going to be in keeping Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick is in the second season, right? He's in the second season. Okay. He's stopping these issues. Come on. He has the potential to be a very, very, very solid uh, defensive back and say it to for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I told you, I told you, I think that he could be. You, you look at TJ, you look at uh, Devin Bush, you look at Minka, and I'm not even including guys like Terrell Edmonds, Stephon Tuitt, um, you know, Mike Hilton, Steve Nelson's, obviously Joe Hayden's, you know, getting toward the end of his career, but, um, and Cam Hayward, obviously, but, you know, that's a solid core that at least for the next three to four years you could have, and you talk about TJ, Devin, and, and Minka, and Terrell, those guys long-term. Like, this is – those are the foundational pieces on the defense. And, again, you have to be strong up the middle. And they've got a pass rusher who's going to get home. They've got a, uh, a promising young linebacker who last night, Devin Bush. That was um, game. That was his welcome to the NFL in a good way moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought he played his best game as a pro. Last night, actually, obviously, I haven't gotten a chance to look at the film, but just looking at it from, you know, the, the TV perspective, I mean, he was all over the place, reading screens, uh, getting shedding blocks, getting, you know, playing fast, um, which, again, you know, goes to getting more playing time or, you know, more experience. So, um, again, those are the types of thing about this first round, that whole discussion about the first round pick. Again, I don't think they were taking a quarterback regardless if they had a top 10 pick in the first round next year. I, I highly doubt that. The reality is they they think, and again, this is all that that's all that matters, people. What they think is Mason Rudolph is potentially their heir apparent, and they thought that he was a first round talent when they drafted him. 
So, you know, and I don't think Mason obviously could have played better um, in the first his first start against San Francisco. But I think I put that more on the coaching, how they, um, you know, we'll talk about the offense here in a minute. Yeah, we'll but, get- but you, I don't think you put the loss to San Francisco on Mason entirely. Um, so to to say that, because they're let's be real, they're in a, this is an evaluation part. Obviously, they're still trying to win games. They're very much alive in the division, so they're still trying to make the playoffs. But this is very much of an evaluation of. Uh, make, uh, Mason and, and, and the entire organization with Mike Tomlin, you know, kind of what would be a post-Ben kind of look, right? So um, that first-round pick was not going to be a quarterback. No. Uh, and if you get you, – you're telling me the Steelers were able to get Devin Bush, who I highly regard and I highly respect uh, ESPN NFL analyst Lewis Riddick, said he's the best pound-for-pound player in this draft, uh, this past draft. And you have Minka Fitzpatrick, who was highly regarded as probably one of the top five, ten talents in the in the draft, went eleven overall last year. The Dolphins, and you can you acquire him, you pair him with T.J. Watt. You got Stephon too, is really, really showing some consistent play this year. Obviously, Cam Hayward's still a force, um, you know. And you add guys like Steven Nelson, who to this point, knock on wood, has played solid at the at the other side of Joe Hayden. Um, those are those are the things that you have to get excited about. This is why I said when when everything would happen with Ben, um, obviously going down and missing for the season, yeah, I could put a damper on a lot of things, and that that took that sucked a lot of wind out of the, you know, you know of of your of, of average Steelers fans, you know, perspective, I guess on the on the season. But there was a lot of things to look forward to, especially after they made the trade for Minka. It's like okay, now we're putting some things together on defense to have a special defense. And I get it. It's an, it's an, it's a new day of NFL football. You're not going to have that dominant defense anymore, but there's something to be said. I mean, I hate to say it, but you look at the team like new England, you make an argument outside the game against, um, uh, they, 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 they won. I mean, they had, I mean, I'm like, let's let that be real. They beat, they beat the Steelers 30, was it 33 to three? Um, I said, what, what are you trying to say? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. Well, I'm, but my point is they give up three points to the Steelers. Uh, I don't believe they gave up any points to the damn Dolphins. Um, they did give up a touchdown to um, the Bills. They gave up a touchdown to the Bills. Uh, that was no. a quarterback sneak, uh, on, I think, yeah. on fourth down. And the Jets yep. got 14 points off of defense and special teams. So, that I mean, again, not trying to give them credit because I don't want to, but there, there is something to be said. You can still be – a stout defense. I mean, look at the Chicago Bears too. I mean, there's there's defenses out there that you can play, and I'm not saying the Steelers are on that level at this point. Uh, yeah. But this, you're kind of you're kind of seeing that potential, though. You're seeing that. I mean, last night I get it. You know, everyone's you know you know a lot. Zach Taylor coming from the Rams um, and the McVeigh tree, which is going to just keep growing as as his success keeps building. But um, I know they didn't have AJ Green, but and their offensive line stinks, but. You know, they do have some pieces on, on offense. You know, Joe Mixon is, is a nice young running back. They still have Tyler Boyd. John Ross is coming into an, his own, under, you know, under Zach Taylor. Uh, obviously, Eifert was healthy. Um, so, it's not like they had scrubs out there, per se. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're uh, world beaters either since they have their own four for a reason. But I, I'm not going to discredit the Steelers and what they did. Again, without that turnover, I don't think Cincinnati scores at all. So, I agree. You know, and they got back into the red zone there, and Mark Barron had the interception, and they were pretty – I don't know if they were in the red zone yet. Um, I, I think they were in the red zone when they – they just crossed the 20 when Budgie Free caused that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were in the red zone. 
Yeah, like if not, they were very, very close. So, and that's happened the past two weeks with the Steelers. And if they can keep that up with some level, you know, this to me was a more realistic way. You know, Joe Hayden, like I said, dropped the interception. So maybe a, a turnover or two is a realistic thing. You know, that's not unheard of across the league to expect that for a defense. And this defense certainly has the talent and capability to do those things. Um, you said earlier about the coverage, you know, I got the chance to rewatch the game today. Um, and, you know, they really showed kind of like how they played New England when they play them really well. They play them really, cl- you know, close to the line. And there's like one maybe deep guy or you know, two deep safeties. Everybody else is acting on scrimmage. You know, that's, you know, whenever somebody's going five wide, I think that's how you have to play them. And as long as you're not getting a really bad mismatch, you know, Mark Barron on Tyler Eifert, mm, I don't want to see Mark Barron on, you know, what's the name of the Ravens, Hurst? No, really uh, not Hurst. I mean, I, it, you're talking about Mark. And- I mean, Hurst is there, but Mark Andrews is, is the guy. That's, is the guy that's making head, head anyway, uh, headlines. I don't want to see him against Mark Andrews. Maybe one on one, go down and see him a couple times. But Lamar Jackson probably can't get the ball there accurately. That's a whole different story. Um, I see you're not sold on him. <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, but you know, do you want to shift the offense now? Um, well, one real quick, I, I want to say too. I'm not going to neglect special teams. We can finally. I think we can finally say the boss is back. He's done. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Okay. He's good. All right. No, that's fine. Um, and, you know, his last one was a little bit close, but it was pretty straight. And so, like, you know, we're not looking at these, you know, we're not golf swinging out here and we're not getting slices and hooks. All right. He's hitting the ball straight. And, and, so, yeah, saying, he, and he looks like he's got some, he's got some oomph behind it this year. Not that he never didn't lose it. Not that he lost it, but he's kicking with some authority, if you will. Yeah. That ball was hammered. Yeah. So that, that's a good sight to see. That's obviously going to help, obviously, with, with Ben out. Um, there's going to be some situations. I mean, they had a terrific red zone offense last year. I mean, they converted, a, uh, I think, a, you know, one of their best clips ever uh, in terms of converting, you know, when they were in the red zone getting touchdowns as opposed to field goals. That might not be the case this year with Mason in there, obviously. Um, so they're going to need Boz to continue to be on that upward trend. I agree. Um, but go ahead. I know, you, I know, we're obviously, there's a lot to talk about the offense and, before we really get into it, I know that I, this is every year and every time the Steelers win and they beat a team that they're supposed to, even in a year like this when they're 0-3 with a backup court, well, with Mason. I don't even, I, everyone's calling him a backup quarterback, which I get that he is, but the reality is he could be the heir apparent. That's the honest. So to label him just a backup quarterback, I don't know. I don't know why it's bugging me. <laughs> I don't know why it's bugging me a little bit, but the reality is he's the starting quarterback. He's the potential heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm not going to just say, yeah, he's the backup. It's not like a Landry Jones situation. That was a known, that was a known fact that he was not the going to be the heir apparent. He was just the quarterback in place at that moment. But this is, again, Ben's going to start next year when he comes back. So technically, Mason will go back to the backup, backup role. However, this is, again, an opportunity for Mason to state his case that he can be the guy. Let me get that off my chest. Anyways. That's really minute and, 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 and petty, but that's just something that's bugging me. But anyways, what I was trying to say is that I, I cannot stand how – it doesn't matter what the Steelers do. You can't please any, everybody and, and anybody, but it's kind of mind-boggling to me and uh, that the Steelers are getting kind of ridiculed for their offensive attack and Mason's kind of getting like, eh, you know, it was, eh, you know, kind of mediocre um, – of his performance because you know how the Steelers schemed it up last night, but and we'll get into it. But that just bothers me. Again, they won twenty-seven to three. They moved the chains. They possessed the ball. 
they converted first down. They weren't great on third down, but they were moving that they were keeping themselves in manageable situations where they really weren't getting to third down. Um, it's just, I, 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 that, that frustrates me. Like compared to what we've seen through the first three weeks, last night was like a breath of fresh air. Right. So I'm not going to sit here in the man's second start. This is the thing too. And I, and I saw Colin Coward made a comment. The Steelers season's over after that win last night, as he was, that was the most unimpressive 24 point win he's ever seen from the Steelers. And his point was like, you know, that was kind of like, I'm paraphrasing, but basically that was scared coaching and how they, you know, uh, uh, you know, attacked in the passing game and very short ding and dunk and all that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and he was talking about how guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, they all just let him let it rip um, when they when they first came up. My only my argument to that is this is not anywhere close to those situations in terms of the fact that when Patrick Mahomes was getting ready to start, they had an whole offseason and, and to prepare for that. When Deshaun Watson was getting ready to start, they 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 threw him in. The um, maybe he is the closest because he came he started the second half of their first game against the Jaguars when Tom Savage was getting his ass kicked. Um, but maybe that's the only one. But largely, those other guys. This is again, you're in your you're in the second uh, the second quarter or the third quarter of your second game, and you're thrusting Mason in, in the, into the into action. This was not planned. This was not supposed to be a part of the 2019 season. He was supposed to be the backup, uh, and that was uh, you know obviously uh, a promotion, if you will, from being third uh, on the depth chart last year. Um, and they obviously felt comfortable enough to trade Dobbs to Jacksonville when their quarterback went down, when Nick Foles went down. So you're talking about a situation where this is his second start, his second week as a starter, um, game planning with Randy. And like he said, it, you know, I'm paraphrasing again, just kind of like it's the second week of getting, you know, getting the calls that he likes and getting used to running with the ones and, and the offensive line. And that takes time. And you'll see them, I think, take more shots as this thing grows. This is his second start. The, the, the month, the calendar just turned October. Give it time before we start labeling him or labeling this guy like, uh, you know, he's just whatever. I don't think he'll be saying that by the end of the season. I'm not saying he's going light to light, you know, light anybody up, but I'm also, saying, I'm also not going to say that he's going to sit. This is kind of what you're going to see from Mason moving forward on a consistent basis. Yeah, so let's having, let's having, yeah go ahead. Having said that, I want to talk about his performance last night. Go ahead. Yeah, so just to piggyback off that. Um, I listen to Colin a lot, and you know, he to, he used the word helicopter parent uh, to describe. Um, really kind of treated Mason Rudolph last night. Well, I'll use the term. Well, he's kind of a helicopter analyst of the NFL because he doesn't spend the amount of time that you or even I do looking at this team. He's like, oh yeah, I watched them once on Monday night, and I know nothing about what they inactive for for the you know I don't know anything about their schemes. He's a helicopter guy. He's just made make comments, you know. ESPN and Fox Sports are worried about talking about the Dallas Cowboys and how many times Zeke blinks. You know, that's what they're focused on. So right. we're focused on the actual, you know, football team. Um, and if you're Randy Feetner, I had a lot of issues with how Randy Feetner approached the San Francisco game. So if you're Randy Feetner, you're thinking, Seattle game, oh, crap, Ben's out. Why don't they keep the same game plan and just let – see what Mason can do. That's what they did. Then you have a week to prepare for San Francisco. Okay, well – I think Mason can do a lot of the things that Ben can do, you know, and if we give him time with the offensive line, we can move the ball down the field. That quite didn't happen, but they did have some nice, you know, long touchdowns against San Francisco, so we got a hodgepodge. Coming in the next week, like, okay, we just need to have offensive drives sustained 
How are we going to do that? How are we going to get this, you know, young quarterback that we have comfortable? We're going to do the Wildcat. We're going to do, you know, some quick passes. We're going to do some, you know, play, play action. We're going to roll them out. That's where I really have to give the credit to Randy Feener. Mike Tomlin said today in his press conference that the offense may look entirely different next week, okay? They may just let them rip it depending on what they want to do. This, that is where the coaching needs to step up that you and I talked about these past two weeks. And if they start doing that on a regular basis, they can be harder to prepare for. And that almost 90% of that credit goes to the coaching staff. And I, Mason Rudolph last night, was there a pass that you went like, oh, man, that was really close. Like you do two or three times when Ben Offer has the ball. Now, is Ben throwing the ball a lot more? Yes. But a couple passes when during the game, you're always like, wow, you're wincing because, oh, he shouldn't have thrown that ball, you know, or it was tipped by the, you know, a DB or whatever. Even the offensive pass interference to Johnny Holt. Holton, which was not offensive pass interference. Um, that ball was maybe a yard longer than it had to be, and I don't know how Deontay Johnson decided to catch that touchdown pass. He kind of jumped up and got it. It was kind of awkward. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, I think that was more on Johnson catching than, like, the ball is pretty much, you know. No, the ball, the ball, yeah, the ball was where it needed to be. Yeah, so I don't, like, I was fine with his performance last night. He now, you even said this during the game, and I saw this on replay, too. He missed Juju for maybe like a 20 to 25-yard pass. You know? Oh, he had him. Yeah. Oh, he, he had him. Like, he checked it down and said, like, oh, yeah, I saw, I saw the same thing he did. And, you know, that's where he needs to adjust, but that will come in time. Exactly. Folks, this is 2004 Ben Offer. I'm sorry. You know, and how they started that season, they have a pretty good defense, and Mason is probably a, a step or two ahead from where Ben was at that time. Cool. Roll with it and don't turn the ball over. Make smart decisions. Mix it up and give them a chance to win. And then, oh, what happens? Oh, you beat a team 27 to 3. This was fine. Okay. This was fine. And he will continue to only get better. I mean, let's give credit to Randy Feetner, obviously, for changing it up. I mean, that's what we complain about the most, right? Is that his game plan against San Francisco was kind of like, what the hell was that? Um, and to, and again, like you said, Mike Tomlin came out today and said it could look entirely different and it probably will look entirely different, but again, it puts something on film in terms of the wildcat. Again, I don't think this is going to be the 2008 dolphins over again. No, um, but no. the reality is like he said, you know, they had a tight end that they just acquired off the street. who was there for a half hour. Um, and obviously with Mason in the second start, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot. They felt they wanted to incorporate. They wanted to get Samuels and Connor um, the majority of the touches this game, which is great. Now, in terms of Mason, again, the, it, to me, it's the uh, I'm a very. I know everything's analytics these days. I know everything's numbers. I'm a very much an eye test person, right? And I keep saying how I want to evaluate Mason. He just doesn't seem like it's too big for him. He continues to show poise in the pocket when things are happening around him. He's moving around. He's doing his best Ben impressions. Um, he doesn't seem to get flustered. He just seems like he's out there. He's he's playing in his he, he's playing within himself. Um, he's playing free. Um, again, he's doing what the coaches are asking him to do. He's obviously not going to you know just take the reins, but he's just I, I like his demeanor and how he's playing and how how his approach is. That's very encouraging to me. That's something that you can build off of. Again, I, there's going to be ebbs and flows. I, I want to see how you react to each side, the ups and the downs. Um, 
And again, I, 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 I don't, I'm not in the locker room, but it seems like, and from what everything I hear and read, a lot of the guys, offensive line, skill, they like playing with him. They like playing. Um, they think he's a, you know, a young guy who works really hard, which is good. Those are good things. Um, so those are obviously positive to build off of. Moving forward offensively, kind of moving off Mason, there should be absolutely zero reason why the Steelers should not incorporate Samuels and Connor Moore. To, yeah, they're the two best weapons. In terms of just – we do, they don't need to have Connor touch the ball 25, 30 times a game. There's no reason for that. That's a nice split. And, again, I, and, I, and, I, and I read about it last year. I, I, I feel like the conversation they had with Jalen going into the offseason last year, heading into this year, was very similar to how they had it with Le'Veon Bell. Lose about 15 pounds and come in faster. And you can see he's very much more explosive. Um, and he's just a guy that you got to get the ball in his hands. Obviously, he's not going to blow by people, but he just seems to get positive yards. Uh, he's reliable in the passing game. And he just adds a, different, a nice element. And you saw them having bo- – you, ha- you saw them in the game at the same time. You saw um, him and uh, Samuels and, and uh, Snell in at the same time. Um, again, just – Putting up different personnel packages, giving teams something else to think about. Stop being, stop trying to do the status quo. Again, um, I don't think this is going to be a Wildcat-based, obviously, offense. However, no. um, that's a nice piece to have in there to know you can go to. And something that Alex Azor pointed out um, in one of his uh, articles um, that I, I, I knew but I didn't really think about, those when they're in the Wildcat and those shovels or those pitches or – whatever you want to call them to Connor or Samuels or I'm sorry, Connor or Deontay Johnson coming, coming, you know, in motion, heaven forbid it's a mishandle because it's a forward thing. It's a, it's an incompletion, not a fumble. So again, yep. credit to Alex Zora for pointing that out. Cause I didn't even think about that aspect of it, but that saves you the, 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 the concern for any kind of fumble. So, Again, smart on the offensive coach's effort, you know, obviously incorporating that. Um, it's just I like the way they came out. And, again, it wasn't pretty. Third, what was it, first play? Second play? Deontay Johnson? Second play. Some, yeah, fumble. Uh, obviously can't have that. But you like the response by him, too. A young guy coming in, fumbled, uh, his first catch of the game, and he responds in a big way. And I, it, to, right now – Deontay is probably their on the outside right now is probably their best playmaker. Yeah, uh, where is James Washington? That is that, that's a great question. Um, I don't have the answer to it. Um, I'll, I we'll have to watch the film and see if he's actually creating separation and getting open. Did a lot of blocking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I got to see that. And again, shout out to Nick Vanette coming in and just making an instant impact. Um, I am so excited for two end sets now once McDonald's healthy. Right. Like that. And I think I like, I like, I'd like to think that they would try to bring, especially sending a fifth round pick to Seattle. I'd like to think that they're going to try to bring back Nick next year um, and, and sign him to a, a, an extension or sign him to a new deal, if you will. Um, but I think you can probably get him cheaper than what Jesse James got. Um, but that'll be a night. Nice, I like what I see. And then, you know, I think he said something after the game. Along the lines of that's, that was the most fun you ever had playing a football game, which is good to hear. Um, and that's yeah. kind of what you're kind of hearing from all the, in the offense and defense. Um, guys are just, it's a, it's a, I, again, it's their, 
I know in three, you can get to the point where people are pointing the finger and everything. Not doesn't seem like this team is doing that. It seems like they're all on the same page. They understand what they have to do to get better and improve. And that's all you can ask for when your team is 0-3. Um, as a, you know, they, they can go two ways. They can go the one way, like I just mentioned, where they're just pointing fingers and placing blame on everybody, not holding each other accountable. Or you go the other way. You say, all right, this is where we are. Let's figure out what we need to get better off collectively and individually. And let's go to work. And that kind of worker's mentality can, you know, transfer into, you know, some, some wins. And that's what the Steelers look to do. Again, I kept saying yesterday, even when I was watching the game, I think on our pregame show, um, it's like a, a, like a shooter in basketball who just can't hit their jump shot, right? You go the hole a couple times, you see the ball go in the hoop. Now you got some confidence back up. The offense got some first downs, produced some points. Let's see if they can, they can roll that into next week against the Baltimore Ravens defense that's quite frankly has struggled. Um, it stink. So, you know, that's obviously – you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and start talking about Baltimore yet. Obviously, it is Baltimore week. We're already moving. 24-hour rule doesn't really apply to a Monday night game. It's really like a 12-hour rule. When you lay your head to rest and you wake up, it's pretty much that's it. So, um, Mike Tomlin has press conference today. Um, talked a little bit about the injuries. Sounds like Vince Williams has a chance. Anthony Chicolo might have a chance. Uh, Roosevelt Nixon's probably still going to be out. Connor, James Connor, who left the game, but came back obviously with some authority, uh, is being evaluated for his ankles of some sort. Um, He's fine. Yeah, and also Cam Hayward. So, um, He's fine. largely coming into the game, going to the game against Baltimore, looking like they're going to be pretty much healthy. As be, um, and I think he said, did he say? I think he said Vance has a chance, right? Yeah, he focused on Vance, Vince, and Chickalo coming back. Um, yeah. And then, like, Rosie still needs a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that'll be good. Um, and, obviously, big matchup. I mean, like I said at the, at the outset, you know, they're a game out of first place, and the ball goes their way. They can wake up next Monday or next Tuesday, this time next week, uh, tied for first place. Um, which yeah, that would be exciting. That would be exciting. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, when you look at last night's performance – um, that's a absolute a much needed performance. Uh, they they had to have it and they got it and they delivered. Um, and again, we'll see if this is able to snowball into an, a, a, have a snowball effect in terms of some confidence, stacking some wins. You know, like I said, that sometimes happens. You kind of get the ball rolling one one week, and, and next thing you know, you're you're rolling off a couple wins, and you're right back in the thick of it. Um, and fortunately for them, they're in a division that kind of stinks uh, right now. So. They're, they're right in it, and it's only going to get better for Mason Rudolph in the offense. He even said, you know, he'll, like to, he'll start, you know, he needs to, you know, push the ball down the field a bit more, and he said it'll come. And, again, it was his second start um, in the NFL. So let's, you know, pump the brakes on the criticism of the kid that's just, just starting his second game and being thrust into action midway through the second game of the year. So that's where I'm at with Mason. Again, I, I've, for me, I don't really care about, the numbers. I don't really care about um, his, you know, stats and what compared to other people and their and their certain situations. I care about the eye test for me is what 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 do my eyes tell me when I watch him? Does the guy does he look like he got he's 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 a he's a deer in headlights um, or is he calm, composed? Is he playing within himself? Is he making the right decisions? Is he protecting the football? Those kind of things that matters to me. Um, and largely for the first two weeks, I'm pleased with that part of it. So. Um, Obviously, it's a big test coming up with the Baltimore Ravens, who obviously are going to be pissed off after losing two in a row, uh, especially at, especially their last one at home against Cleveland. So you know they're going to get the Steelers going to get their best 
uh, ever from Baltimore who know that they cannot afford to lose two division games in a row and thir- three in a row overall, uh, all in conference as well. So, oh, well. Right. So, um, That's for you here, just kind of reflecting back on those games. Um, I also tweeted these out. So, you know, we talked about the Wildcats, um, Jalen Samuels. Um, you know, those forward passes, as you alluded to earlier, they would be incomplete if they were, you know, hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did not miss a pass, and he had a pass rating of 109.7, which is pretty impressive for a running back. Um, the Steelers' passes to running backs, they were 16 of 17. They were 16 of 16 to Connor and Jay Sams. They went for 140 yards in the touchdown. And just kind of looking at the first down stuff, you know, a lot of people, I think, they had primarily rushing first downs. So they actually added five rushing touch or five first downs via rushing. They had 12 via the pass and three via the penalty. Um, uh, another thing that I wanted to kind of touch on this, in this game was, you know, I said this earlier, the offensive pass interference. Um, <laughs> if you look back at the Terrell Edmonds pass interference against Seattle, mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, that, you know, I don't think this egregious words applies anymore. And that is totally not the point of what that rule was put in the NFC Championship or the play that happened in the NFC Championship. That's not why this rule was put in place. The guy's clock was cleaned, okay, in the NFC Championship game. Um, Holton's trying to, you know, get maybe a little separation off the receiver, but he's got a hand on his back, just like uh, Hayden did in the New Orleans game. And after a review, that's pass interference. Are you kidding me? Mike Tomlin, you know, was uh, visibly frustrated on the sideline, and he spoke as much about in his press conference today. But, you know, if he, the coach, is on the competition committee and cannot understand or, you know, the interpretation of the rule, then it needs to go. I, I, I don't want to waste any time on this damn topic. That, I, I said it literally, regardless of the fact that they called it, the fact that we can challenge that drives me nuts. I think it's stupid. Um, I'm I'm pro replay to get for the sake of getting it right, but it's got to be within reason or with. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to start at one at some point. It's going to be where that you can review everything, and it's going to drive me nuts. The the call. I mean, it's just. I think someone said it, and I forget who it was, so I apologize. But the NFL wants to protect the referees when we're these damn reviews in terms of. If they make a call on the field, they don't want to make them look bad by overturning it. Well, that's not what the hell the thing's there for. No, you have to tell the refs that they're wrong. Right. You messed up. Hold them accountable. This is this is, you know, people lose job people lose jobs because of I stuff know. like this. So it's like you just can't and the referees should lose their jobs too if they're not making the right call. Yeah, send them back down to college. Get them out of here. Oh, my Lord. I can't. I, I, I could just see. I'm Al Riveron. Oh, my God. I don't want to listen to him talk. That makes my eyes hurt. That's I mean, why. Especially every time, you know, it goes to review, like, oh, wow, you know, that really didn't look like offensive pass or offensive pass interference. You know, going back to the Philadelphia Green Bay game, that was pass interference. All of a sudden, no, it's not pass interference. Make up your damn mind. Yep. Yep. It, it's the, the inconsistency across this league is so scary. Like, you are professional. This is this is your job. You have a full-time job as an NFL referee, and you get paid pretty nicely for it. Make the right call, especially don't be afraid. If that's that's the goal. That's, that's the goal, and that's the ultimate thing, right, is to get it right. Regardless of what the call was initially, the point of replay is to get it right. So, 
you want to talk about the rules and, and uh, you know, and all this, you know, is it, is it conclusive? Is it not conclusive? Is it impairing the receiver or whatever call it is? I don't care what it is. I don't care what the rule is. I don't care what the call is. Just get it right. That's all that matters. Get it right. Yeah. That's, otherwise, okay, then we can't review it anymore. Cool. We're good. Like, we just suck at our job. It's, it's, cool, it's, it's just like for me, like with, with an umpire in baseball, if you're calling the pitch, if you're calling the low pitch a strike in the first inning, that better be a strike in the eighth inning, and it better yeah. be on both ways. If you're going to – again, if you're going to be – like you said, be consistent. If it's going to be shitty and it's going to be, um, you know, we're going to make these ticky-tack calls all game, I'm fine with that as long as it's consistent. But don't be calling ticky-tack calls in the first half, and now I'm expecting the fourth quarter, uh, you know, for a ticky-tack call to get called or the other way around. Don't, be, don't call anything and then all of a sudden start calling something. You know? Yeah, don't put the whistle away. Just if it, just be consistent. Whether that whether that whether that be this pass interference rule is just to, just to cover our faces because we screwed up in the NFC Championship game, then get rid of it because you ain't, it, it's not doing anything. I don't know how many times. I mean, what? How many people have gotten it overturned successfully? I don't know. I think there's only been a couple. But like, it's less. It's like it's and, it's and if it's really because they don't want they want to protect their referees, give me a break. They're grown men. They make a mistake. It's fine. Well, it's not fine, but. Everyone's everyone's gonna be more happy if they get the call right at the end of the day. They're not gonna care that you know Bill Vinovich called the wrong play and then they didn't overturn it. They'll be they'll care more if they called the wrong and they reviewed it and kept it wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, they're probably hell bent on saying, you know what, we really didn't like this rule in the first place. We there was so much outcry, you know, by Saints fans and you know across the league, like, oh well, you know, need need to review that. Yes, I mean. I blame the guy that didn't call pass interference in that dang game. But anyway, we digress. We digress. Well, it's another edition of the Devoted Steelers podcast. It's great to actually talk about a win. Hopefully the Steelers can start stacking some more of them. Um, Obviously, it's Baltimore Ravens week. Steelers will be back on the practice field tomorrow uh, in preparation for that. Um, Mike Tomlin talked a little bit about the – how tough it is to replicate a guy like Lamar Jackson in a preparation from a preparation standpoint. It's not really probably another person on this planet that can replicate what Lamar Jackson does in terms of his ability to uh, run around, scramble and, and, and make plays with it, with his arm. Um, I know you're not sold on him, but obviously in our next show, we'll talk a little bit more about the Ravens and what, and what we see from them. Um, but we're going to, we're not a player or a coach. So even though for a player and a coach, there's probably a 24 hour, maybe in this case, a 12 hour rule. We're going to sit on this for maybe another couple of days. Uh, I know we already know it's Ravens week, but I'm going to enjoy it um, probably till about Thursday when Thursday night football kicks off. Then, you know, then my, you know, my focus will really, really go uh, towards the Ravens. But um, a great win for the Steelers. Again, 27-3 to three over the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night. They moved to 1-3 and three, uh, with a looming matchup with the Baltimore Ravens at home at Heinz Field at 1 o'clock on Sunday, which is rare to see. There's not a, there's not a Ravens-Steelers game scheduled as of yet for prime time, which is, I don't know how long the last time that happened. Um, but we'll see. Well, I mean, last year was at one o'clock. They had, they had, a, they had a Sunday night, they had a Sunday night though in the, in the beginning. I know, but then when it was in Baltimore, they had a one o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that at least one of the matchups have always been on a prime time slot. So if I flex it. Maybe. Yeah. Right. So who knows? Maybe that week 17 game could be for the division. Yikes. Would you imagine that? Um, but 
I know. And obviously, please, like Vince said earlier, he's tweeting out great stats, great information. Please give it a follow at Steelers Devoted. Vince is always working that uh, that damn Twitter, uh, putting out good information. I'm sure he'll be putting out some clips from the game when he watched. He already watched it once. He'll probably watch it three more times. And I'm sure you'll see some clips of him from the game, uh, just adding some insights to that. So obviously give that a follow again. That's at Steelers Devoted uh, and the Devoted and the Devoted Steelers podcast. But for Vince, my name is Dimitri. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later on this week as we preview the matchup with the Ravens. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Vince's uh, dislike of Mar Jackson. And he doesn't agree that he's probably one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. But that's for another day. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, for Vince, I'm Dimitri. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.